Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest wrestling podcast in history. It's time for Beef Sticks. Snap it to it. Oh, yeah. Pasty White, how are you doing on this fine evening? I am doing swell. How about yourself, Fat Mac? I am amazing. I feel like something else, baby. You sound like something else, my friend. You gotta love it. (laughs) You got to love it. Uh, Well, if the news says it, you know. It's gotta be. Exactly. (laughs) I never doubt Fox News. Uh, <laughs> you want to tell the people about that? You did bring it up at the head of the show last week, too, before I even knew what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think the people who know know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the people who me. call you something else didn't pay any attention to it. So <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Basically, uh, when they were running the election polls, you know, they were talking about what percentage of people voted for for who, and they had, you know, white, Asian, black, Hispanic, something else. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's a good day to be something else. That's just weird. It is. That's America. For you. It is. It is. <sighs> no representation for those who were here first. It's sick. but that's the way it is and it is 2020 folks covid is spiking all over the country get yours today yes on your block (laughs) and don't be the one guy who missed out either yeah you don't want to be that guy (laughs) i gotta get a vaccine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm kidding oh i love it Ooh, good stuff well, you know what else i love and is good stuff fat mac what's that pasty fucking video games video games are tight hell yeah they are and what's more tight than that is an actually good wrestling game oh they're and... few and far between pasty like 20 years i'd say no i don't know there was good wrestling games on the nintendo 64 there was good wrestling games on the playstation 2 there was good playstation wrestling games on playstation 3 i guess when they were releasing those wwe games with the uh the story modes that were about like the 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 history of superstars they did the one with stone cold the one with daniel bryan i'm pretty sure they did one that was like all wrestlemania's and then it fell off. But this week it has been announced that there may be hope on the horizon. Because Tuesday, Kenny Omega held a conference with Cody Rhodes and Britt Baker to unveil AEW Games, the newest venture for All Elite Wrestling. And they announced three games currently in production. And uh, I'd say the first one is, is probably where the hype lives the most. One console game going to be on current and next-gen consoles, which got me excited that was coming out soon, but I have heard nothing in regards to when they plan on releasing this. Right. Uh, and then and then two phone games, which, I mean, 
that's where the world is and that's how they're really going to make their money. <laughs> that's where the money's going to come from yeah. exactly. Yeah. But it is good. You know they've been they've been talking about it basically since they've started the company. And you know all all the all the folks involved, they're major gamers. I don't know how much Cody is, I guess, but I know for sure Omega and the Bucks are. <laughs> He's definitely the mind behind the casino game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh... So um, yeah, let's uh let's talk a little bit about what we got coming up. The first one, like you said, the major one is a, a AEW console game. They don't really have a title for it yet. As you stated, for current and next-gen consoles. But the thing that's really exciting is, well, it's produced by Ukes, which is okay. But it's I mean, directed they just abandoned by... WWE after 2K20, so that's... Right. <laughs> but it's directed by Hideyuki Gena Iwashadi, who you may not know the name, but you'll know a couple of the games. It's the same man who directed WWF No Mercy and WCW NWO Revenge, which are two of the greatest wrestling games of all time. He also actually uh, directed Def Jam Vendetta, which was not a bad oh. game either. Oh, hell yeah. If, if this has some elements of that in it, I will be excited. I mean, <laughs> that Def Jam Vendetta, does that mean he made Backyard Wrestling? Because that was the same people, too. Um, Maybe. I don't know if he was involved in that or not, but... That that uh, that could be some good shit. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's really gonna be interesting. One thing you can say is it's probably gonna be very much different than the last few WWE games. Yeah, honestly, visually, it looks mo- uh, like most like uh, the newest WWE game. The what is it? Uh, Brawl. I, whatever. I don't know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> It's all cartoony and they're disproportionate. Um, it's not necessarily cartoony, but it, it, they're they're disproportionate and, and out of sorts, and, and it makes for a different aesthetic. Um, which I guess some people are behind, some people aren't. I know I like superstars that look like the superstars, and I think uh, the AEW game is a good blend of the two. Yeah. And then. I'm really excited for the AEW game, and I, I always thought that this was just going to be a feature within that, but it turns that they're making a AEW GM game for the phone consoles, Android and iPhone, and to me, that is fan-fucking-tastic, because I will probably sit and play that whenever I'm bored and and, and not at home. Yeah, I think that be a lot of fun. Myself. I could see myself getting down and wasting some time doing some GM stuff on there. That's that'll be fun considering depending on how they end up setting it up and everything. But that one, uh, that one sounds like it could really be fun. Oh, it'd be so dope if you could compete your your brand against your friends' brands, so we could take each other on. That'd oh, awesome. that would be awesome. <laughs> with it being a with it being a, a phone game, you're going to get constant updates, so you're going to get new characters all the time. Hmm. Let's just hope they keep the microtransactions out of this one because the next one is like the perfect home for them to make money off of microtransactions. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely. The next one is uh, the AEW Double or Nothing Casino. The only one with a functioning name. (laughs) Right. And that one is your your typical 
casino phone game. You got the slot machines, video poker, blackjack. You know, um, what can you say? It, it works. It does work, and it's just all you got to do is slap some branding on there. Really, you don't don't even got to use superstars likenesses. Although I would like to have like. Like they showed in the in the in the video footage, Kenny Omega at the card table dealing to you or whatever. Right, it'd be cool to have superstars doing that. But other than that, you just slap some fucking logos on slot machines and you're good to roll. I I'm surprised that didn't come out now, and I'm actually kind of mad at Cody because in the video he's like, "Why you don't? Why can't we give them something right now?" And then they unveiled it, and they're like, "It's coming this winter." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> well, that's not right now." <laughs> No, but, um, you know, you mentioned the Ken Omega dealing cards. I can't believe we got this far and we didn't really mention it. They had the, uh, the whole crew dressed up in their best, um, um, oh, what the hell is the Steve Apple guy? Jobs, Steve Jobs, the turtle, the black <laughs> turtlenecks. That was, was kind of amusing. I chuckled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think that's a Kenny Omega thing for sure. Just like uh, Fighter Fest, I think he comes with the great like real hokey gimmicks that just work. <laughs> I mean, he has that DDT background, <laughs> that the dramatic green team background from Japan. He he knows how to do some hokey shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's really cool. Though. Like I said, they've been teasing this for for how long? They always talk about it on Twitter and uh, and everywhere else, but now we finally at least get to see they are actually doing something. We got. We got visual evidence. It's really cool to see them getting hands-on with this, too. Unlike Vince, who just throws money at a game company and says, make me a game this year. You know, to be fair, we don't, we don't want Vince's input on a video game. But... Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. No direction hurts as well. I, I don't know. Um, I, I like seeing that AEW is so focused on this that they made a games division. I'm right. looking forward to seeing where this expands to in the future. I want to see like a AEW Mortal Kombat style game over the top. Like, I I check it out. Yeah, you you could do a lot of things. I want a, a classic style JRPG AEW game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's so much they can do, and I know they want to step outside the box. And my favorite part about this is, is for years Xavier Woods has talked about wanting to get games off the ground, and and I I've listened to podcasts where he's talked about a phone game, a GM game for the phone, and so AEW ripped him off. Either that, or he is working for AEW Games, which isn't AEW. You know what I mean? And he'll get some cut from that. Um, I think this is what's going to be the, the lure to finally bring him over to that side. That would be good too. Yeah. Cause odds are, if he makes a game now, Vince is going to own it and he won't have any rights to it. Oh, for sure. And putting 100%. out updates will just become part of his contractual agreements. <laughs> As we know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that was definitely a bombshell uh, this week in pro wrestling for sure. Yes. And pasty, that brings us to this week in pro wrestling history. Yes. We're going back 15 years, November 13th, 2005. 
TNA presented Genesis from the Impact Zone at Universal Orlando. The show was dedicated to Eddie Guerrero, who had passed away in the early morning hours of that exact day. The show also featured the TNA pay-per-view debut of Jay Riso, who used his old gimmick name, Christian Cage. In a pre-show match, the Diamonds in the Rough, which were Simon Diamond, David Young, and Elix Skipper, defeated the Naturals, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens, along with Lance Hoyt. Then on the main card, we've seen Sharkboy defeat Nigel McGuinness. Raven defeated PJ Polacco, also known as Just Incredible. Three live crew consisting of BG James, who was Road Dog, Conan, and Ron the Truth Killings, or R-Truth, defeated Team Canada A1, Bobby Roode, and Eric Young in a hockey stick match. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Monty Brown defeated Jeff Hardy to become number one contender to the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Alex Shelley, Christopher Daniels, Roderick Strong, and Samoa Joe defeated Austin Aries, Chris Sabin, Matt Bentley, and Sanjay Dutt in an elimination match. Abyss defeated Sabu in a hardcore match. AJ Styles defeated Petey Williams to retain the TNA X Division Championship. And the main event saw Rhino and Team 3D defeat Jeff Jarrett and America's Most Wanted. Of course, Chris Harris and James Storm. That is an awesome lineup. And it amazes me that some of these people were wrestling all the way back then. And it amazes me that some of those people are still wrestling to this. You know, that's goes both ways. Like this generation of wrestlers, very long lived. Oh, for sure. For sure. You got guys like Eric Young, R-Truth, James Storm, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Roderick Strong, Austin Aries. A young guy like Eric Young, who's just now hitting his prime. Right. <laughs> Then you have guys who were seasoned wrestlers back then, even as, like, uh, Jeff Hardy, who's still wrestling now. Oh, yeah. Team 3D, Rhino, Sabu. Good old Sabu. What a hell of a card. I want to go back and watch this, actually. Why didn't you tell me to watch this when Impact Plus was free, Fat Mac? God damn it. I still think Impact Plus is quite a good deal if you're yeah. a fan of, of Impact. Yeah, it I most think. definitely is. A lot of great rich history there. Oh. And basically a lot of uh, rich great history in New Japan. Yes, indeed there is. So I guess that brings us to move into New Japan Power Struggle. That's right, we're bringing you the results. And in our first match, we had no corner pads. King King of of Pro Pro Wrestling 2020 Championship match. I I deciphered it on my own. I'm pretty smart. Seeing Toru Yano defeat Zack Sabre Jr. by countout, retaining his... Or wait, no, this is the championship finals. Right? No, no, it's not a finals. It's it's his championship. Oh, it's a defense. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay! 
Yep, and then it will be, uh, but it will be, um, what's the word I want to say? It's going to be restarted come 2021, so there's a good chance that Toru Yanu could end the, the year as a King of Pro Wrestling 2020 champion undefeated. That's awesome. This was uh, How long fun. Has he and, had it. Um, he's had it all year. No, he won it. Uh, I'd say probably four months ago ish. Okay. I'd have to look it up. Uh, but yeah, fun and entertaining. If you like the Yano matches, um, if you want classic New Japan strong style, you're not gonna like this one. But it's it's fun. The very beginning is Yano bitching about the, the the stipulation that he called for, where he's going around trying to put the the corner pads back up, <laughs> and just just throwing a fit. Um, that that was really good. He even has names for all four of them and stuff like that. Uh, he ends up throwing Zack Saber. Well, he he goes to throw Zack Saber Jr. into the corners at the beginning. Zack uh, catches himself, and then Yano tries to apologize and is like, Let, "Let's just not throw each other in the corners at all. Let's just let's have a gentleman's agreement. We don't throw each other in the corners." Well, of course that didn't work. But the the best part of this one, I really love the end because towards the end, they're on the outside. Zach is wrenching on Yano's knees, and he's got him through the the ringside barricade. He got his legs through the ringside barricade, and he's putting on like a figure four through the barricade. But um, but that's his mistake because that's when Yano ends up un- untying Zach's shoelaces, and. Uh, I thought he was going to end up hitting him with his own boot. The announcers are like, oh, he's going to make him wrestle with one boot. What he ends up doing is he ends up tying uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s shoes together. He tied the shoelaces together. And then when Zack Sabre breaks the hold at like the 17 count, 18 count-ish uh, to go jump into the ring, he can't because <laughs> his shoes are tied with his legs through that uh, – barricade and Yano jumps up and rolls in the ring at the last second and gets the win so it was that's kind awesome. of a sneaky fun victory you don't get comedy like that from New Japan very often that's great it is it was really fun I gave it a B I thought it was a pretty good way to start the, the show especially since there's no multi-men matches yeah yeah such a weird card we were talking about that last week uh... so that was good um, then we got, you know, then we go from, from silly to just badass with the never open weight championship pasty. We seen Shingu Takagi win the championship from Minoru Suzuki. Hell yeah. This one was a, uh, just a badass match. It was just, it was badass. Um... Shingo's focusing on uh, Minoru's back, which was kind of the story throughout this whole match. Chair shots, Boston Crabs, doing everything he could. And uh, you really seen some really good uh, psychology that you that I wasn't expecting to see in this match, to be honest. But um, we ended up seeing uh, Takagi end up kind of... 
I know you and I both voted for this, but you know what? Whenever you're against Suzuki, it's like you never know what's going to happen. And uh, he ended up making it work. And basically, if the last match was a typical Toru Yano comedy match, I mean, this was certainly a Minoru Suzuki match. It was just brawling, badass fighting, just uh, just a ton of slobber knocking. Oh, hell yeah. What more could you ask for? Then our third match, Kazuchika Okada defeated Great Okan by submission, as predicted. Fat Mac, I'm doing good right now. Three for three. So are you. You're kicking ass, buddy. You are kicking ass. <laughs> so are you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? The weirdest thing about this match was... You had a got, fucking good weekend. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. Surprised I, me I very bow much. Though. to the Fat Mac. I was really surprised, to be honest. It worked out for me. Hell yeah. But, uh, yeah, the weird thing in this match was I just I kept getting confused when the announcers were talking because you got Okada and Okan, and half the time I wasn't sure which wrestler they were talking about because both they'd say Okada and they'd say Okan, and it sounded the same. Yeah, and no run. But it it was great. This one, Okan was allowed to show off who he is, what he does. He had busted out all the Mongolian strike variations, the Mongolian chops, the screaming wild man, which is kind of a callback to the wrestler Killer Khan. And the announcers definitely pointed that over. They wanted to get that across that he's kind of the next this generation's Killer Khan. Uh, surprisingly, Okada never really had control of this match. It was just Drado Khan being being a power guy, being a beast the whole way. Uh, every time Okada started to do something, Khan would counter out of it. Okada would uh, put him in the money clip hold. Okan would take his claw out and put him in the claw. Uh, basically up until the very end. And, and in the end, Okada ended up getting that money clip finisher on him again and Okan did end up giving up verbally but um, yeah I mean as an Okada match you could kind of say this was a lackluster match but as a great Okan showcase and building up the hype of great Okan I think this really worked and then also with uh, Osprey there ringside he uh, this continued the, the whole Osprey Okada feud Osprey got up afterwards and was shit-talking Okada, and they ended up making a match for Wrestle Kingdom right there afterwards. Oh, so. of course. So that was kind of cool. So I thought this worked, you know. for Like I said, for an Okada match, you were left kind of wanting more, but just to display great Okada, I thought this really worked well. Well, I'm hoping Okada can finally uh, show me what Osprey is all about at Wrestle Kingdom at the very least. I'll tell you what, man, if... if if he has a bad match against Okada, there is something wrong with Osprey. Yeah, I just, I just got this feeling. Osprey's no Kenny Omega, so I, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then up next, pasty, we had the IWGP United States Championship number one contenders match. Kenta defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi. This was kind of surprising, especially because it was by submission. So many submissions. So many non-pin finishes in this pay-per-view right off the bat. It's crazy. Right? 
You know, I didn't notice it while I was watching it, but you're right. Yeah, we haven't had a pinfall yet. But this was this was a fun match. I mean, you you knew you were going to get something good from Tanahashi and Kenta. You had the the ace of uh, pro wrestling Noah, you know Kenta, mm-hmm. and ace of of New Japan Tanahashi. You know when when Tanahashi was at the top of New Japan was kind of when Kenta was at the top of uh, Noah, and then ended up going to WWE and nothing he happened. He was not but... on top there. <laughs> no, maybe of the injury <laughs> list. But early on, a lot of back and forth, strike exchanges. Tanahashi ends up uh, busting out an air guitar, and so so Kenta ends up uh, kicking him in the back of the head, and then he starts playing air bass. <laughs> <laughs> so Tanahashi ended up smacking Kenta around a little bit more and then busted out his air guitar again. Kenta ended up hitting... Um, Tanahashi with with the number one contender briefcase, which already has a hole in it from hitting uh, from Tanahashi hitting Kenta with it. And uh, after that, Kenta ends up busting out some air keyboard. <laughs> so <laughs> it was some fun stuff that you don't see a lot in a in a Tanahashi match, you know. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Very good ending sequence, though. Uh, he goes for a, a go to he goes for a, a go to sleep attempt. Countered by Tanahashi, and then Tanahashi went to try to get the the high fly flow frog splash win. Didn't get that. Tanahashi ends up putting him in a Texas clover leaf, but Kenta counters out out of that into game over. Then Tanahashi countered out of that into another clover leaf, and then with a well positioned game over counter. Uh, Kenta got him smack dab in the middle of the ring, and Tanahashi gave up. And uh, just the fact that just a couple of years ago, Minoru Suzuki had Tanahashi down in the holds, and Tanahashi would not submit. That's that's huge for Kenta, you know. Kenta's no yeah. Suzuki. So I loved this for two reasons. One, it adds to the narrative that Tanahashi isn't quite the ace that he once was. But it also, it's got the ace of Noah submitting the ace of New Japan, and it kind of pushes that Kenta may just be getting better. He may not be, you know, Tanahashi's coming down from his his career. Kenta may still be climbing up. I like this. That's good stuff. A mad bullet club got a point here as last week. My, my whole mantra was fuck the bullet club. They're not my bullet club. Not anymore, <laughs> but it's always good to see Kenta get a win. Of course you got to love that. Uh, then we had the wrestle kingdom 15 contract match. Fucking bullet club. Jay white <laughs> defeated Kota Ibushi. Fuck, what is happening? So is this yeah. another briefcase? That's my question. <laughs> no, this this one is not a uh, this one's not a briefcase. <laughs> um <laughs> It's a clipboard. But this this was uh an okay match. This is probably It's Jay White um, it's not gonna be great. Su- surprisingly, this wasn't the worst match of the night. And we'll get to that, surprisingly. Ooh, ow. Ow. 
But um, but we did get some good wrestling in this one. They kind of just kind of played their greatest hits, so nothing really new. Bushi to me seemed really a bit off, and he was kind of missing or barely connecting a lot of moves. He went for his middle rope springboard moonsault and didn't quite catch Jay. He was off center on a drop kick once or twice. It just kind of felt haphazard. I'm not sure what was up with Bushi. He just didn't seem like he was on his game. Uh, I was surprised with the ending. Not only did I not expect Jay White to win, but apparently they, they, they put on commentary, no one's ever lost their G1 Climax contract before in the history of the G1 Climax. So there's a notch for Jay White against. But, you know, he didn't do it on his own. He had Gato's interference. And at the very end, Switchblade got a roll-up pin, and he actually got his legs all the way up on the third rope for oh, an illegal geez. leverage that the ref did not see. So, How do you miss that shit? You know, this does kind of continue the story of Jay White being New Japan's ultimate opportunist. So that worked. But I gave this one a C plus, And, um, and it's like I downhill said, from here. It is d- d- depressingly so. Oh, that hurts to say. Because then, Pasty, we got the main event, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and Intercontinental Championship. Tetsuya Naido, holder of both championships, held on to them both again, defeating Evil. Pasty, I love both of these guys. Naido, my second favorite over there in New Japan. Uh, Evil, I'm a huge Evil fan. But... God, this match was painful to watch. I cannot believe either Naito or Evil were in this match, let alone both of them. It just, I, it should have been two other people. The only interesting part of this match, really, and this was a very overbooked match, were the guys who weren't actually in the match. We had Yujiro show up and attack Naito. Sonata then came out in a in an awesome, awesome all-white outfit, looking like a boss to help his buddy Naito. Jay White came out, and for a second, he almost thought he was going to turn on evil, but Ibushi uh, ended up busting out, and he hit a beeline to Jay White and took out Jay White, almost took his head right off with an awesome lariat. But the actual match was kind of a who cares. There was heel crap, low blows, referee bumps, pretty much everything that we see in... I wrote down, it's basically a copy-and-paste WWE clusterfuck. I mean, I would not be surprised to see this on a WWE B pay-per-view. Oof. It was sad. These two are two extremely talented, awesome guys. And I still love them both. This doesn't change my opinion of either of these guys. I think it was really bad booking, and I gave it a C-. minus. I don't know the last time I gave a Naito match a C-. Hopefully never again. Hopefully never. Although versus Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom doesn't sound great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that Uh, is true. The only thing I wish is it was uh, Kenta won a Intercontinental number one contender because then you could have Jay White and Kenta stripping Naito of both his championships. That would be awesome, to be honest. I'd hate it, but it would be be awesome. awesome. So, yeah, um, best match of the night, without a doubt, the never open weight title. Just, if you like Japanese strong style folks, go back and watch that one. 
it's just badassery throughout the At that whole point, thing. you might as well watch the first match, seeing as that's the second match. Get yourself a well-rounded, well-rounded half hour of pro wrestling. You know what? I that's kind of I, I agree with you, Pacey. I think if you watch the first two matches on this, I think you're okay. Um, if you want to see what the Great Ocon is all about, you know, then then you can stick around for the third one, but you wouldn't have to. I would definitely say those two matches would be fine. I recommend the uh, Kenta Hiroshi Tanahashi because it's kind of fun. But yeah, you could watch just the first two and turn the pay-per-view off, and I, I think you got a pretty good example of what's going on. Gave the entire pay-per-view a B. It was going to be better until the end. The the last... Boy, that was the story of this weekend. We'll get to that. But man, yeah. the end of the is kind of... Finishes. For real. Um, there you go. That's my seven cents worth. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. The when you have a lackluster thing. finish and you still get a B, you're doing pretty fucking good. That is true. That <laughs> is very true. Finishes everything. And for both of these pay-per-views not to come out with terrible grades because of it is, is something, um, something to be remembered. Definitely. I think that's going to be something I hearken back to quite often. Right. <laughs> Now for the pay-per-view I did watch, Fat Mac, AEW Full Gear. And let me tell you, it was full gear right from the jump until about the fifth hour in, and then it was slow trodden through the mud. Yeah, yeah, they kind of went down a few gears after that. Uh, they did we do too many hours on this pay-per-view. It was, it was still, I'd say, an easy watch, but by the end I was like, God damn it. Yeah, I mean, they could have knocked a half hour or an hour off, but yeah, I don't know where you would have. I mean, I know where you would have, but... <laughs> Take out the Elite Deletion and put it on YouTube. There you go. Yeah, Seriously, I that would have been great. I agree. <laughs> so, did you watch the buy-in? Yeah, actually, I did catch this match in the buy-in. Uh, it was the NWA World Women's Championship Serena Deeb defended her gold against Allison K, defeating her by submission. And what was a pretty damn good match. I I would say I hate that this woman's match was on the pre-show, but it's not even an AEW championship, so I get why that's your buy-in. It makes right. sense. And then um, after the finish of this match, uh, what, what was her name? Hmm. The, the former NWA Thunder Rosa, Thunder yes, Rosa, Thunder Rosa came back, and they didn't really clarify whether she's back with NWA or back as an AEW's talent. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where that kind of falls, unless there is definite news that I just missed out on. Yeah, I as most times I usually skip all the pre-show and buy-ins, but after I heard that the uh, buy-in was the NWA World Women's Championship, I actually went back the next day and watched it. I I really liked this match. Yeah. Uh, it's It was a hell of a buy-in match. Um, you know, there was no story behind it, so that was kind of, that's probably the only thing that really kept it down was there wasn't much to keep you invested in it other than it's a title match. But Dean and K both looked great. Um you know, they they weren't a match that is better than watching most AEW women's matches. So, it's, yeah, you got to give them credit. 
And I think that uh, Thunder Rosa's return sets up a good showdown with Deeb in the future, which I th- is just going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. Thunder Rosa's going to be getting it back. I'm just saying that here. I'm not a, not a huge fan of Serena Deeb. No? I like I like Serena Deeb. I like all three of the women. Pointy and angular. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) That's good. Uh, Well, then we got into the actual pay-per-view pasting. We got the Eliminator Tournament Finals. Kenny Omega defeated Hangman Adam Page. And this was a way to start the show. Holy shit! Perfect way to start the pay-per-view. Perfect way. Omega Page, they tore the house down. They had a hell of a match. Very physical. And you got the story built into it. The story's been building forever. There were counters and reversals that, you know, you would expect. These two guys have spent how much time together. Exactly. And in the end, it was basically the veteran knowledge of the cleaner that allowed him to deliver that last gasp dragon screw leg whip and secure the victory. God, their grand finale run of counters was fucking amazing. The attempted finish after attempted finish and the dodges. And... God damn. And Kenny Omega, and they work together so well. Like, their finishes look like they're legit doing them. Like, more than most superstars can pull off. Right. And, of course, with uh, Omega's win here, that puts him in line for... Uh... Shot against John Moxley coming up next. Uh, coming up on the dynamite for whatever reason, which is well, it's because they don't. Their next pay per view isn't until February. They gotta keep yeah. story going. I guess I'd like to. Plus, I, I would assume favorite. after New Year's, their whole their brackets reset. You know, everybody's record resets for the next year, so it has to be before the New Year's up here. Well, yeah, but they don't like strip everybody of all the titles and everything. No. I mean, right? You can have a. You can have a John Moxley, Kenny Omega story run from now until I would love to see one through from November through February. I think that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But I guess a lot of fans don't like that kind of long build, so I get it. And uh, well, I mean, uh, post this pay per view, they did the the media scrum, and Tony Khan did say that they wanted to have a lot of really big shows to finish out the year for Dynamite. So I'm I'm anticipating yeah. some good shit, and and this week's Dynamite did did wonders, I think. It was a good show. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I give this one an A minus. I very, very much thought it was a great way to start it out. I don't let her grade my matches, but yeah, this was probably the perfect way to start the show. Maybe the tag team championships, but it's hard to say. Right. Maybe, maybe the whole show would have felt slow in plotting it if it would have opened. You know. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Could have saved that for the main event, actually. Yeah. Well, this was a stellar <laughs> matchup. I can't wait to see, you know, Omega with the championship and Hangman challenging for it. That is going to be um, the match of legends. I think it's going to make this look like nothing in comparison. So, so that'll be fun down the road. Yeah. And then we had Orange Cassidy defeating John Silver in what was supposed to be your buy-in match. But once again, the fans spoke up. And uh, John Silver got some real pay-per-view experience. 
And this is just, I love this. I love this because it let Orange Cassidy kind of go back to being his comedy gimmick. And these two played so well together. This was a fun, funny match. And I love John Silver. I uh, I gotta disagree with you. I thought this really I was expecting this to be kind of a John Silver showcase, and I felt like it kind of failed in that regards. And Orange Cassidy, I thought this would have been a good one for him to kind of do his his, his sticky stuff, and he did a little bit, but not a whole lot. I don't know. I thought that I thought this was the place for Silver is so charismatic, yeah, you know. Yeah. I thought that this would be the place for him to really come out i thought okay they're putting them on the main show they got something good I, I think he underperformed i'm a big fan of his again this doesn't change my opinion of him or orange cassidy i loved them both but uh i don't know if it was because it followed the last match that was so great or what but it just did it did not work for me personally i was kind of bummed yeah no i'm definitely looking forward to seeing john silver be able to you know stand on his own two feet some more and, and get some some on dynamite in ring time, at least. Um, right. He deserves it. Uh, I think that guy could run your, your TNT championship division for quite a long time on the charisma alone. Yeah. He's going to do great as once he leaves the dark order. I wouldn't mind seeing him have a program with Brody Lee, to be honest, you know, I want it. I don't want it anytime soon. I love him being no. a bad guy. I love he's like the perfect goon for the for the comic book villain squad that is Dark Order. Right. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I definitely think his future is super bright. Uh might even be more bright than Orange Cassidy's in, in my opinion at this point. But only time will tell. Only time will tell. And pasty it was time for the AEW TNT Championship. And I think we all seen it coming, but we all still gave a round of applause. And then when Darby Allen picked up the win over Cody Rhodes and got his first singles, got his first championship gold in the company. Yes, he did. And then about cried like a baby afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Darby. I thought you didn't feel anything. <laughs> No, I thought this was a good match. This is not the first time we've seen Allen versus Rhodes. No. Well, I guess it is. It's it, it's not the first time we've seen Allen versus Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, and they sure are pushing that Rhodes name, aren't they? All over uh, Dynamite. Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. <laughs> Man, he got it. He's, He's going to get it tattooed on the other side of his neck. Yeah. I guess the uh, I guess the adage that he he want he was happy with just being Cody and doesn't want to use the Rhodes name in AEW is probably out the window. That was just <laughs> to get the leverage, so he had to give less of his father's copyrighted material back to WWE for it. Right, you, know, you undervalue it that way; they don't know what your real value for it is. Yeah, uh, no, this, this was so much fun, and I liked that it was kind of Rhodes' self pride that really cost him the match. I mean. He, he, he allowed Allen to continue to to go on to the point that he just left an opening and Darby Allen snatched. I thought this was wrestled very smart. I thought it told a good story. 
it built sympathy for Allen, I think, to the point that at the end, I think almost every fan wanted to see him win, even if going in they hadn't. You know what I mean? They yeah. really told the story. I, I'll give Cody credit on this one. I'm, I'm always not the biggest Cody fan, but I give credit where credit's due, and he really helped tell this story, I felt. I think so. Another thing of note in this match is I think this is the first time they've talked about it for months, how Cody's been putting on weight to try to get into the heavyweight class, whatever. But this is the first match I've actually noticed his change in size. And it's not yeah. a massive change, but Darby Allen and Cody were pretty comparable when AEW first started. And this, this felt like a very different match. For sure. And then I think almost just as much as the match itself, the uh, post-match. You had Rhodes presenting the title to Allen. That was kind of cool. But then you had uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks come out and attack the two guys. And then kind of stare at each other over the championship, like who's going to be the next one. That's good stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm assuming Allen may get a – Feud with Team Taz? I don't know. After uh, Dynamite, it's... I mean, we got the uh, Allen and Cody versus Cage and and Starks. I definitely can't see an Allen-Brian Cage singles program, so I don't know if Ricky Starks is going to go for the TNT Championship. Yeah, I don't know what needs to happen, but you need to get Cage as far away from this scenario as possible because all I want is Allen and Starks going forward for like six months. And Brian Cage has the FTW title, so he he shouldn't need the TNT Championship. Why isn't he defending that thing ever? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because it's not a legit title. <laughs> but this this was a, a fun match. I wasn't sure how it was going to be. And uh, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised with it. I was I, I walked away I walked away feeling happy. Yeah, no, that was a fantastic time. Uh, I love Cody Rhodes. And, and you, you might not, but every time I see him, I'm like, I love that man more and more. Uh, then, then we had the AEW women's world championship on the line. Hikaru Shida defeating the beast Nyla Rose. And what I feel was a far better match than their first one. And I thought that was going to be hard to top. I really, really liked this match. This, this was, was brutal. Awesome. And, and and I gotta say, Nyla Rose, the native beast, coming out in Mega Man X cosplay is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Wasn't that awesome? That's so good on so many levels, and I hope it pissed a lot of people off. It's just so good. It definitely, uh, it wasn't the first outfit that made me pop that night, but man, it did make me pop. <laughs> uh, my boy was really, my, my son's a huge Mega Man fan, and he, he loved it. So, God, just, like you said, this was this was brutal. You could see Sheeta was really kind of digging inside herself and trying to, to break out her own kind of beast to match the native beasts. It um, it it was good. Vicky Guerrero, of course, helped. You expected her to. Yeah. 
Nyla worked on Sheeta's leg throughout the match, and I loved the storytelling there. And Sheeta sold great. And they even had uh, Vicky tripping up Hikaru Shida multiple times, which I thought was a really good play on working the leg also. I liked that. Yeah, this might be uh, Vicky's best heel manager work to date, I think. These two really, they, they jive well together. I feel like they like each other outside of AEW also, you know? Yeah. And then I, I the thing that really stood out to me in this match was when Sheeta, who is the face, she ends up getting to the point where she's pinning Nyla, and then she pulls Nyla up at like two and a half to dish out more punishment. And it's like, you can see Nyla's getting, Nyla's getting to her. She's, yep. she's bringing out this, this savageness in Sheeta that Sheeta's an amazing wrestler and it just has so much talent, but you can see Nyla's br- making her up her game a little bit. Maybe, getting maybe tw- skin. Yeah. No, I thought when she pulled Nyla up for sure, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's the mistake. That's going to cost you your title. So did I. <laughs> I so, so badly I. wanted Nyla to win it back now. Because at least the AEW women's division was thrilling when she was champion. If nothing else, right. like there was something going on. And I don't know if it's because they've kind of been, kind of just been positioned to, to not really care about female matches, but I was surprised. The, the, I didn't think the, the little bit of a crowd that was there was really into this match at all. I don't know if it's because it was a kind of a strong style match or if it's just because the women's division in AEW isn't that great in general, but I don't know. The, the crowd wasn't into it as much as I was, that's for sure. Everybody in the crowd is trying to figure out how to fast forward. <laughs> I do this at home every week. Right. <laughs> yeah, I gave this an A- minus grade. I thought this was an awesome match. Mm. Very fun. Very fun. Which would then bring us pasty to the World Tag Team Championship. To the world's and... greatest tag team championship match. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe not, but close. God damn. The Young Bucks, if the Young Bucks lost, they would never challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championships again. Well, they don't have to worry about that because Matt and Nick Jackson walked away with the belts, taking them from FTR. They didn't really walk away. Well, one of them. Uh, (laughs) This was a good match, and I love that they put that stipulation. Like, last week, we were kind of like, why the fuck would they do that? But it made me so stressed for the entire match. Like, it hurt. (laughs) Tension in the (laughs) shoulders. It It was tasty. It was tantalizing. This was... I think pretty much everything you could have expected in this match. And I don't think that that's all that they could possibly give either. You know, you can't imagine anybody doing more than they did and putting up more than they did, but I agree with you. They, these two, I think if they, well, these four, if they get together and have another match, I think you could even see more and better stuff. I mean, holy shit. We had, I think everybody had high expectations coming into this, and they definitely blew those expectations out of the water. Uh-huh. The only issue I, mean, I have with this match, and, and and this is just the cynical me, I think, it got me thinking, are the Young Bucks really the best tag team in the world, or is Matt Jackson really just that good? 
And I, seriously, the whole match, I'm like, what the fuck is Nick bringing to the table? <laughs> Matt's over here getting his ass beat, selling his ass off. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and Pasty, we, we got to bring it up because this was kind of the uh, – well, there were a few Easter eggs throughout this show this night. I was going to say the Easter egg. Maybe this was the Easter egg of the night, but, of course, you had the Mega Man cosplay. You had Eddie Kingston's outfit in the main event. But in this match, boy, throughout the whole match, they were hitting the greatest hits of some of the greatest tag teams of all time, Pasty. Were they not? Yes, yes, they were. Um, I went back and rewatched this match. Did you write them down? And I did. And I yes, rewatched it you. because it's an awesome match. I want to rewatch the whole <laughs> but, pay-per-view. But I um but yes, so here we go, Pasty. We had the Bucks hitting the Twist of Fate Swanton Bomb combo. Yep. They hit the three D from the Dudleys. Yep. FTR hit the Steiner Top Rope Bulldog. Uh Young Bucks and, also uh, did Edge and Christian too, I'm pretty sure. I think they did all three from the three greatest tag teams. Oh, did they? I must yeah. have I must have missed that. I must have missed it. Um FTR hit a Steiner top rope bulldog and a meeting in the middle from DIY. Which out of and all of these And they said tag- DIY. I know, out of all these tag teams <laughs> that are classic tag teams that aren't really in WWE, the only tag team they mentioned was DIY. So I don't know if that was a slip up or if that was intentional, but Dude, it's so good though. Um, and we, then we had talked both, about that live as we're watching it. You messaged me. And I was like, yeah. I was just going to message you. And he's like, I don't know if that was a slip up or what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure that's just really big sweaty balls. My friend. <laughs> oh, and then, uh, so both teams good. ended up paying tribute to uh, the heart foundation. FTR nailed a heart attack and the young bucks both applied sharpshooters at the same time. So yes. you got the Dudleys. The uh, Hardys, Edge and Christian, DIY, Steiners, Heart Foundation. I mean, those are those are in your top list of tag teams of all time. Yeah, yeah. This is it's a, that's amazing. It's it's like a it's like an anime where you're channeling the spirits of the past, like to to fight <laughs> yeah. your opponents. And, oh, this was just so good. And the Bucks are dressed up like the Lakers, and, and FTR is dressed up like whoever the fuck they're dressed up like. Whatever sports team, I don't know. Next. And then um, <laughs> I seen a lot of hate online for this, but I actually loved it. The end. The end was a super kick. Why not? It's the Bucks. Yeah, it's the Bucks. What's wrong with them busting out after all this amazing stuff you've seen? That's kind of what made the Bucks the Bucks is their super kick parties. So I had no problem with that. Yeah, but and I no, what I really what really that. finished this match was when Wheeler got up on the top rope to do the fucking Senton bomb or the, the what was it? Was it a Senton bomb? I don't know. It was a front flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't do their you know, they're they're all fit no flips, just fists. And he tried yep. to do a flip to keep up with the young bucks, and that's what cost in the match that was the mistake and there's the psychology and there was another thing i i drew lines here ftr did not have tully blanchard at ringside in this match yep i was gonna bring that up and, and, and i feel goes like for, that's the only reason they uh, lost uh, 
Yeah, they didn't have their their guru beside them. <laughs> so it tells a little story there too. Yeah, it's good because they have the excuses. There's like three good excuses they have for a rematch. And God, I just I can't wait to see what else they can pull out. This is a modern day classic, honestly. It really is. And please, can we have DIY and AEW, please? <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. That would be so fun. Yeah, needless to say, I gave this one an A-plus grade. I mean, I think that goes without saying. It was an A-plus yeah. match. <laughs> Might be the S-rank, the elusive S-rank match. Yep. I don't think there was a flaw. You know, not not really much. It was about as great of a match as you can get for a tag team match. And it was as great as a match as you were going to get that night. Yes. <laughs> Up next, we had the elite deletion seeing Matt Hardy defeating Sammy Guevara yet again. Um, this was... A very typical deletion match. It was a one-on-one match that wound up being more than one-on-one with some cool cameos by uh, Hurricane and Gangrel. And then there was fireworks shooting. My favorite spot of the entire match was when the dilapidated boat jumped out and attacked Sammy Guevara. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? Old Scar's got to the rescue, baby. That's, I told you last week, that's who I was waiting to see, my old friend Skarsgård, yeah. and he actually participated <laughs> in this match. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was, uh... Yeah. They need to start coming up with new stuff for these compound matches if you're going to keep loving them. I was hyped for this one a little bit. I thought Matt Hardy could do something good. I thought Sammy Guevara could sink it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there, there were, like you mentioned, there were some good spots. I loved the very beginning when Hardy came in and almost ran over Sammy Guevara with a monster truck and ran Fucking over his little monster truck. Field. I love that. And then he's like, now that's a squash job. <laughs> it's like, I busted out laughing. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, you got Helms and Gangrel. You had uh, Pride and Powerful and Private Party. Uh, Return of Skarsgård. Yeah, it was just kind of, it was, it was longer than it needed to be for sure. Yeah. And, um, and it, and it's still telling the story of, uh, I don't know that it's a story. I think Sammy Guevara just isn't the guy. And it seems like he can never get a win over any of the established stars on the roster. And, um, like, where where do you go from here? And when Sammy finally does get a huge victory, if he does, I mean, is anybody going to take that seriously? We've seen WWE do it over and over and over again where they sink somebody so much that they just can't come back up, you know? Yeah, I think he can. I think he just needs to go away for a while and come back. You know, like like make his face turn, but then get destroyed by whoever he's face turning against. Probably MJF. Um, and then and then have him go away for a while because we have to forget about it because all he does is joke stuff, and it's he's a good wrestler. Yeah. I know what they could do, Pasty. They, he could go away for a while and not come back. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. 
it's, a, it's an option. <laughs> but I got to say, I kind of like the finish where Matt Hardy, you know, chucked the chair at his head and then pushed him off the or jumped out of the ring and cracked his head on the cement and basically did all the damage that Sammy ever did to Matt back on Sammy. The one thing that pissed me off at the end, though, was they throw him in a garbage can, put him in the back of the truck, and then don't dump him in the lake reincarnation. <laughs> That's how you resolve yeah. it, right? You got to change Sammy. And he people went in the lake of reincarnation, but it wasn't Sammy. <laughs> right. If I got to see Hurricane Helms transform into his normal self, and then back again in an ultimate deletion match again, I'm going to cry. Because this isn't the first time it's happened. No. Uh, the good stuff was really good. But everything else was exactly the same as you'd seen. And that's disappointing. Except you've seen it with better wrestlers than Sam. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Or at least people that were uh, more charismatic or just, yeah. But hey, they got Gangrel. Just if he's the secret celebrity pop up, I feel like that's not that's not the one you only want to have one of. You know what I mean? You, you got to have a couple of other cool names. Yeah, but I did. I did like that it ties back to Matt's past. You know? Yeah. Gangrel brought Matt into the the WWE as the uh, brood. The brood. Yes, I was just the new brood, well the new brood I guess it was that he was with after Edge and Christian but yeah it was it was all right it's just a shame Gangrel didn't bring in the Dudley Boys huh get the tables call it three B because it's the third brood <laughs> three B <laughs> <laughs> team three B oh, I love it that's cute buddy. Uh, well, Pasty, then we had a match that was anything but cute. The Inner Circle Initiation match, MJF defeated Chris Jericho. He did. Uh, it was kind of anticlimactic, the the match, the ending, kind of everything just was kind of was just The ending bigger. would have been better if the, if the match would have been better. I'll well, say that much. I like the hearkening back to Eddie Guerrero. Because that's a pure heel move to to act like your opponent hit you with a weapon when you were gonna hit him with a weapon, and then right. But this match, it it started slow and didn't go anywhere till it was over, and that finish yeah. isn't good for a match like that. It wasn't very engaging. I'm... The promo leading up to it, MJF's like, Jericho, you don't understand. I'll do anything to be in the inner circle. So I anticipated probably some blood here or something. You you anticipate something, right? Yeah. Like I'll some do kind of... anything. Like pretend you hit me with a bat and lay down on the ground. Like okay. Yeah. I guess the and deal I don't is there. If... He's he doesn't pose a threat to Jericho in the immediate future, so this can slow build into something else potentially. Yeah. I think I think the heel versus heel didn't help it. You know, there really wasn't anybody to cheer for i think 50 percent of the people don't want mjf in the inner circle and 50 percent do so it was kind of yeah he's just gonna destroy it from the inside that's all that's gonna happen 
this isn't going to be, oh, MJS in the inner circle now, they move forward. It's no, already, no, it's already no, taking no. place on Dynamite. He bought everybody a ticket to Vegas except Sammy Guevara. Yep, and you got, um, uh, I think it's Santana that's being like, he ain't one of us, man. Yeah, Ortiz. It's was it? okay, Ortiz and Guevara, yeah, because they fought uh, MJF and Wardlow leading up to this because they didn't want – they were the two in the group who didn't want him to join. There you go. Um, I do have in my notes that I thought the best uh, the best person in the ring here was uh, Aubrey Edwards as far as the match went. She usually uh, is. I mean, she's usually great, but, yeah, the, the ref work here um, – the ref work here was good, and she got into the match. You know, Jericho pulled her between them, and and uh, she was a. Uh, oh yeah, I gotta shout fun. out Aubrey Edwards for AEW games too. The only person in the whole batch who has fucking video game design experience, and I didn't shout her out at the top of the show. She was also in that in that package. Yes, debuting the games. I feel like such an asshole now, but at least I got it out before the end. You're the man, Pasty. You're the man. <laughs> yeah, I don't got a whole lot more to say about this match. No, it was kind of a blink and you'll miss it match. Um, Too bad I didn't blink. Yeah, right. Uh, and then there was one last glimmer of hope at the end of this pay-per-view. We're not used to seeing this length of event anymore. <laughs> right. It was a battle to get through, and I feel bad for the people in the audience. But, uh, yeah, the I Quit match for the AEW World Championship. John Moxley defeated Eddie Kingston in uh, not the most hardcore match we've ever seen in AEW by far. No. I actually I, think I, the bunkhouse brawl on Dynamite was more hardcore. I do want to say at the get go, this wasn't a bad match. No, but it wasn't. But it was a bad main event. I quit match between two hardcore legends. You know, yeah, disappointing. I guess again, it's the the term. I guess they really left their room for this to go other places in the future. Um, but yeah, I'd say the best spots in the match involved that barbed wire bat. And variations yep. of using that barbed wire. Um, that I popped for that when I saw it. Uh, the way Mox used it looked brutal on Kingston. Um, loved when Kingston wrapped it around his fist. I, I winced pretty good. Like, oh, you bastard, you sick motherfucker. <laughs> but uh, Moxley got busted open early and then it like clotted right away. And so there wasn't no. even enough color in this match. Yeah, that's that's one knock you almost never give to AEW that it didn't have enough color. But yeah. I would agree for for this match between these people, it could have been better. I wanna wanna get this out of the way. The, the Eddie Kingston outfit. I don't know how many folks watching caught it, but um, well, it was uh, it was he was paying homage to uh, Mitsuharu Misawa. Yes, I I like I like the idea of paying homage. But that was such a bad like outfit. Such a bad. Right. He needs he needs like jeans and a beater. You know, don't don't go <laughs> wrestling gear, Kingston. 
I liked it just because Masawa is one of my all-time favorites. I mean, the man literally gave his life to the ring, literally. Mm-hmm. And um, he's just one of the greatest of all time, I feel. So I, I popped for it. I loved it, and I guess it wasn't distracting to me as much as it was to some people, at least from what I've read online. A lot of people really didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't know it was a, was a like a tribute until well after the pay-per-view was done. Um, yeah. So I, I do feel bad about that, but at the same point, I can't help but to feel the way I felt about it. I don't know. Kingston right, just, and you can't imagine. I mean, Sawa is a legend, but you can't imagine that that many main mainstream wrestling fans would have any idea that this was an homage at all. So yeah, yeah I can. But all in all, I'd say yeah, this match was okay, not great. Um, it felt like a quarter of the story that we had anticipated, and it's probably our faults for you know, building it up so much in our heads, especially when it's, it's not their first cause they had a fight on dynamite, but yeah, I feel like with the history between these two and, and how great they are, that this was just kind of a, a come and go program. I mean, this feud just kind of, cause you have to assume it's over. Moxley's moving on to Omega and, yeah. and uh, Omega's going to take it. Back. Yeah, yeah, and Kingston moving on to PAX, so it's like, well, okay, so this feud's over. That was kind of meh. The sad thing is, is then after that, we're probably going to get Moxley Kingston in a tag team, which is good, but I don't want that to... Then they're going to Bailey Banks it, you know what I mean? That's not what I want. <laughs> don't, don't Bailey Banks Moxley and Kingston. I um I will say, and, and I'm probably on... I don't know if this is a popular opinion or not. I don't really care. I don't think this was as good as the Roman Reigns uh Jay Uso I quit match. I think it was the same. I felt, I, I felt that there was more emotion and story and feeling in the Reigns Uso one. And this one was just kind of about a few spots, but the spots weren't extreme enough to me, but there wasn't any real emotion until the end when Mox was getting him in the submission hold with the barbed wire. And then he looked like he was going to cry while he said, I quit. I'm so pissed. He said, I quit so fast too. Yeah. That was surprising. Wasn't it? Yeah. Like it was kind of anticlimactic. Kingston, you told him he's going to have to kill you to get you to quit. Not barely put a submission on with some barbed wire. Barbed wire. (laughs) Uh, yeah, there's just something that was just not right. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't blame the rest of the card for looking at the, the tag team championship match and saying, how the fuck do we follow that? Right. <laughs> but if that's the point, then why didn't you have that be your main event? Exactly. If you put the inner circle match and, and Mox versus Kingston in the middle of the card, I think this would have been a far more well-rounded pay-per-view now in hindsight am i gonna like the fact that i can just go watch the first five matches and be satisfied if i want to if i want to relive this experience yeah that's nice yeah <laughs> right and and i would hate to have you know bucks and, and and ftr go on last to have what happened at all out happen where their match is cut to a quarter of the time right but i don't think they deal with that anymore either 
you know, they've been in the game long enough. They should have some leeway with the pay-per-view for writers. And so, of course, this goes to Moxley Omega, who also, by the way, Pasty, I guess we should say, again, at least in my opinion, at last year's Full Gear had a much better, like, brutal hardcore match than this yeah. one. So, you know, wow, again, just it didn't live up to the hype. But their next showing is going to be just a wrestling match, which I think we all know favors Omega. And you mentioned it earlier, and I'll, I'll second it. I think... I think almost everybody sees Omega walking away with the title here. Yeah, I think so. I, it has to happen, right? So then he can hand it down to Paige. I'd almost assume he's handing it to Paige at, at Evolution in February. I hope he doesn't get that short of a run, but maybe. I want. I want to see Omega come. I want to see the 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 cleaner, the New Japan cleaner Omega. You know what I mean? I want to see him bust out some badass shit. Yeah, but who's your Okada then? You know, who's your who's your Naito? They don't have caliber talent on the AEW roster like that, and it hurts me to say it, but it's true. I I agree. He Everybody won't here is either from WWE and wrestles too soft, or they're from the indies and don't know how to wrestle TV yet. Yeah. But I'd still, I'd still love to see him hold on to it for a while. Um, I think is it time for for Paige to to get it? You've had credible champions in Jericho and Moxley. Omega's definitely a credible champion. I guess your fourth guy could be Paige. I don't know. I think he's getting there. Oh, by the way, we didn't talk about that at the end of the tag team championship match when Omega comes out to celebrate with the Bucks and Paige is just barely seen in the tunnel. Like there's oh, a yeah. guy standing there. And I was like, who the fuck is that? Is he not supposed to be there? I'm like, oh, wait, that's Paige. He is supposed That's That was really cool. I like the little details good. like that. That was another good little Easter egg for sure. Oh. And, and the, the, the ringside talent didn't say anything about it. So I was like, is it a mistake? I don't know. You <laughs> uh, know, yeah, all in all, I'd say this was a, it was still a damn good show. Yeah, it, it was. It's just like you said, it's the first, the first five were really, really good. And the final three were quite a disappointment. Yeah. Um, Best match, Pasty? Oh, tag titles for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's... Probably match of the year at this point. No question. No question. Definitely at least AEW match of the year for sure. Yeah. Um, I gave the uh, final grade a B plus. I didn't think it quite cracked the, the A. Cracked the A. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with an A minus. Um, for as not thrilling as the last three matches were it didn't ruin the rest of the card and that is it's a testament to itself oh for sure very much so yeah not very many pay-per-views i would willingly go back and watch again but this is probably one of them to a point so it was definitely a solid weekend of pay-per-views just not an amazing weekend for pay-per-views yeah and i mean (sighs) 
it's the Rona. We're not going to get those kind of shows. We we shouldn't right. even think about it like that. They were talking during the media scrum after the show, too, how so many major things had to get sidelined because they have to be done in front of a crowd in order to have real meaning. Right. And, uh, folks, I don't know if you know it or not, but things are just getting worse. So... <laughs> Hundred and fifty thousand yeah. cases on Thursday. New cases. Yep. And last uh last Tuesday was it um for Minnesota at least was the uh the highest ever reported new cases of all time since it started. They had the most ever new cases reported. So yeah, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. They say it takes two weeks to find the Rona. So, uh, Halloween wasn't a good idea, folks. Sorry. (laughs) To be fair, the numbers were spiking long before that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I don't think that that helped at all. Yeah. Uh, but with that said, I think we can cleanse ourselves of these pay-per-view results and snap into the Savage Sentinel. Well, Pasty, according to Dateline, Universal Pictures, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and his Seven Bucks production company is looking to relaunch a new Scorpion King movie and possibly franchise. Now, it says with The Rock's acting schedule booked through 2022, they're looking to find a new actor to play the action hero. Roman Reigns! to lead the movie. (laughs) It was also noted that it's likely Rock will not appear in the movie, but because of how important the film is to Rock and the studio, there's still a possibility that he could make an appearance when the movie finally gets into production. Now, the original Scorpion King movie followed a desert warrior that rises up against the evil army that is destroying his homeland. Plot details on this movie are vague on what the reboot will do different from the original, but it was noted that unlike the original, the new movie will be a contemporary take set in modern times. So, uh, oh, so maybe, be more akin maybe to the, the, mummy. Caused, the mummy caused the uh, corona. There you go. And Roman <laughs> uh, Reigns is out to solve it. The Scorpion King has he a He survived soft spot cancer. <laughs> I just yeah, hope they have the... the same shitty CGI. That's, that's all I want. Bring oh, back that same CGI. <laughs> Hard to believe yeah, Rock had a Hollywood career after that. That that him as the, the actual scorpion, not like the human, but the scorpion is so yeah. so bad. Even for that time, it was pretty bad. It's so there was bad much that's the only thing about that. the movie I remember. I don't remember <laughs> any of the rest of the story. So, of course, this franchise does have a soft spot in the Rock's heart because it marked his acting debut. First appearing as a character in Universal's box office hit, The Mummy Returns. The spinoff that he starred in focused on the character and helped turn Rock into the full-fledged movie star he is today. Fuck that. I'll always give that credit to Doom. (laughs) I'm the only person who likes that movie. That's such a good movie. Only for the ending. I love the ending when it goes first person and he rages out. That's so good. Um, The one thing I just don't understand, I guess, if The Rock is rebooting The Scorpion King, why wouldn't he star in it? Right. Like, can he not afford to pay himself the money he deserves? 
I, honestly, like this seems like the perfect tale to to give nepotism and get Roman Reigns into Hollywood. Wouldn't uh, that be the perfect thing? Like, I don't. I honestly don't think The Rock. I think he's smart enough to not do that. I think he's going to get an actor. Every Maybe not Samoan a Samoan tribal actor. chief from now on will have to star in a Scorpion King movie. <laughs> I could see. I could definitely see Roman making an appearance, though. And the Usos could be little scorpions on the side of him, like. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Oh, it's good stuff. Yeah, I don't know what to think of this one. I never... I watched The Mummy Returns, and I think that's the only one I ever watched of it. I never did watch The Scorpion King, or... Was there a follow-up to that one, too, or was that the end of it? I think that was... Well, there was another Mummy movie, I think. I don't know. It's... I don't know either. It's I've seen the original one and the Mummy Returns, and I like both them movies. They're fun. Yeah, yeah. I watched I watched the first three: Mummy, Mummy Returns, and and Scorpion King. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, Major League Wrestling has announced that MLW Fusion will begin airing on Pluto TV this Wednesday, November eighteenth. For the restart. This is fantastic. Pluto TV is free and can be found on Roku, Smart TVs, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, PlayStation, Xfinity, Chromecast, web browsers, and other platforms even beyond that. MLW can be found on Pluto via the Fubo Sports Network. I have Pluto on all, all my TVs. I never use it, and I'm excited really? to finally use it. You don't watch Pluto? I mean, they, they have that TNA channel, too, don't they? Or, or the Impact channel? Yep, yep. They got the Impact channel on there. I go and watch that one an awful lot. They got a Mystery Science Theater 3000 channel I like to watch. Nice. They got an MMA channel. They've got a lot of, of good stuff on there. It's a fun one just when you're kind of bored just to go see what's playing and and check it out. Yeah. You know, my, my big gripe is I got when I, I have beef with Pluto from when I first got it because I have always wanted a, a fucking app on my TV that will let me watch local broadcast channels. You know, the shit you get for free with an antenna, but no antennas yep. work anymore, so you can't get it for free anymore. Yep. Uh, and there's no way to watch that stuff, and it makes me mad. Gotta <laughs> get a cable package. No, motherfucker, that shit was free. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, see, something else that's worth checking out is uh, independentwrestling.tv, which has been recognized for excellence in digital content by the Academy of Interactive and Visual Arts, or AIVA, AVA. AVA. AVA presents the W3 Awards annually to honor the best in websites, web advertising, mobile sites, mobile apps, and web video. In claiming an award in the Mobile Features Best Use of Streaming Video category, IWTV joins the WWE Network as a W3 Award winner. It's a pretty good company there. Heck yeah. The award award is a significant industry achievement that acknowledges the hard work and dedication of an IWTV team that live-streamed 120 events in 2019, in addition to bringing thousands of hours of digital content. 
The award comes just days before IWTV's new original series, The Masked Wrestler, is set to premiere on Wednesday, October 14th <laughs> at 9 p.m. Central. Is that is that a spinoff of The Masked Singer? And uh, The Masked Dancer. Uh, don't forget The Masked what? Dancer. What are you talking about? You don't, you don't, you don't know the the. That's the new one that when Masked no. Singer's over, Masked Dancer. Yeah. No, that's terrible. Anyways, folks, you can subscribe to the award-winning IWTV at independentwrestling.tv. Woo! Check it out. Talking about streaming services, fucking AEW needs to get on the somebody's bandwagon because I feel like they're losing out on a lot of money by not having a cost-effective alternative to $60 pay-per-views. Just saying. Yeah, but I think... <laughs> I Obviously, I don't know what kind of deals they have in place, but one would assume that whatever they do, they'd have to go through Turner because they don't want to piss off Turner, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of Turner's on HBO Max. That'd be a good place for him to go. HBO Max is the most expensive uh, streaming service on the block currently. There you go. You get your money there. I would definitely love that. It would make the already reasonable subscription even more reasonable. You know, that brings us into comings and goings, and I thought I was going to have a good setup transition there. I just couldn't find one. <laughs> that worked. You got us there. That's the important thing. It's the destination, not the journey. Yep. I went and got it, and now it's here. There were several more corporate employees released by WWE this past week. Most of the cuts were logistical and behind-the-scenes staff that were working out of company headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. It's believed that 10 to 15 employees were let go, including Tony Chimmel, Derek Castleman, and Jerry Soto. Sad day. It is. I think most uh, wrestling fans, probably the name that most people would recognize is Tony Chimmel. He'd been working with the company since 1991 and was most notably a ring announcer. Chimmel moved into a behind-the-scenes role in recent years working as a production manager and overseeing the WWE ring crew. He often made special TV appearances for real-life friends Christian and Edge, including cameos on their WWE Network show. Yes, he did. Uh, rumor has it that them getting rid of Tony Chimmel is a clear sign that WWE is not going back on the road anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Derek Castleman has been WWE's director of venue merchandise for remote operations and joined the company in 1993. Castleman had been with the company for more than 27 years and was well-liked by many behind the scenes. And that brings us to Jerry Soto, who'd been working WWE broadcasts since the international Raw and SmackDown shows in October 2011. He was one of the top Spanish-language announcers for the company. Well, how how are they going to get the Spanish announce team now? It's just, who knows? Now that, they're, now that they're not there with a table to break, they don't even need them. That's all they wanted them for was their table. They were just a table. 
Never break the German announced teams tables, though, fuckers. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Wake up choking on sauerkraut, buddy. On Wednesday's Impact Wrestling, it was revealed that the Rascals, Trey Miguel, Zachary Wentz, and Desmond Xavier, are leaving the company. In storyline, the trio received an eviction notice after it was revealed they had not paid rent on their treehouse in two years. I still blame Dixie Carter. Damn it, Dixie. (laughs) The trio is actually done with Impact Wrestling. They are said to be leaving on good terms and finished up their last set of TV tapings. On next week's episode of Impact, Dez and Wentz will team against Rich Swan and Trey Miguel. The Rascals are not booked to be at Turning Point on Saturday. In addition to performing for Impact Wrestling, the Rascals have teamed together for promotions such as CZW and PWG. Dez and Wentz in particular are two-time CZW Tag Champions, and one-time PWDG tag champions. <laughs> ah, according to the report at Wrestling Inc., the Rascals have a standing offer from... This is where the story gets bad. Yeah. WWE and are expected to join the company soon. They need to go to AEW. Oh, for sure. It's the only place, right? I mean, They'd I'm be sad. so good there. I'm definitely sad to see them leave Impact because they've been fun, a really I fun know. addition to Impact. But, yeah, if you're going to leave, don't go to WWE where they're going to do nothing with you. Go to AEW where you've got a thriving tag team circuit. It's like, go I to don't WWE know. WWE where their new gimmick is going to be Towel Boys. Yeah. These are three just amazing, amazing wrestlers especially trey miguel just getting huge not literally just figuratively but yeah this is sad this is sad i mean it's good Honestly, for them to i don't feel like money. they've they've achieved everything they can in impact they haven't they're just they're just kind of catching their footing we're gonna miss them we're gonna miss their uh that 70 show style um treehouse segments that is always fun yeah I just uh, hope I hope for the best of for them in WWE. You know, I mean, I don't expect much, but I hope. If they're going there, it's not confirmed, and that's how I'm going to live my life going forward. <laughs> that is true. It could just be a big swerve, right? Well, Pasty, somebody who is going to WWE, at least reported on the last edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, is the sauce, Alex Zane. Cool, maybe Sammy can slip out the back door unnoticed. <laughs> and uh, he has recently finished up all of his indie dates. Expect him to start soon. Zayn is considered to be one of the top talents on the independence right now. It's believed that Zayn will be part of the upcoming WWE Performance Center class. That is rumored to also include the aforementioned Rascals. <sighs> Leave the Rascals out of it. They're not going right. there. <laughs> can't they see that that's the worst mistake they could ever make i mean it all i guess it all depends on what they're getting paid pasty these are these are trying times they're, for everyone in the wrestling business they're tiny guys tiny guys don't do well once vince sees them agreed uh, it almost yeah. makes me as mad as our next story sort of 
Because WWE just announced today, a mere hours before we went on air, the release of Zelina Vega. There's no word yet on what led to Vega's release, but she has been vocal about supporting unions recently and spoke out against WWE third-party edict. She last wrestled during last Friday's SmackDown in a tag team SmackDown qualifier with Natalia and the winner Ruby Riot. Vega, who is married to SmackDown superstar Alistair Black, signed with WWE in June 2017 and debuted on the WWE NXT brand. She was brought to the main roster in the 2018 Superstar Shakeup. Vega was just drafted from Raw to SmackDown in the 2020 draft. And hot damn, they fire the one whose husband still works for the company. And they're keeping Paige and Lana. They're using her as an example, I think. And it's stupid. It It is very stupid. Vega's um, going to do more for WWE than Lana will. She already has. By acting as oh. AJ Lee and fighting with my family, for starters. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and, and she's a really good wrestler, you know? And, uh, yeah. She was awesome. I loved her back in uh, Impact Wrestling, Rosita. Mm. Her and her and Sarita had a really good run with the tag team titles, um, which, of course, they're bringing back the Impact uh, Knockouts tag titles. Way to yes, go. Yes, that's good stuff. Um, so, I mean, I, I think she'll do good. I don't think she was – you know, well, I, I, I can't say that. I think Zelina Vega could have gotten big in WWE. She's a good-looking woman. She has talent, and she's that uh, coveted – Hispanic market that WWE loves so much. It's like she, they could have done great things with her, but you know, she's, she can go anywhere and still do great. I think. Hmm. I think the problem is when she came up to the main roster and became just a manager, I don't think there was anything else she was going to do in Vince's eyes beyond that. That was weird to me. Yeah, it was weird. And it's sad because she's probably, probably better than the people she was managing to be honest. Right. She is a fantastic talent. And uh, let's just hope Aleister Black hasn't recently signed another contract. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I could see both of them going to Impact for sure. I would love it. I would love it. I think it would just be... uh, I think it would be awesome. You know, she would have been a good fit with the Rascals. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, pasty, we got one more news, and it's it's good news. We got AEW announcing Thursday the signing of Jade Cargill, which comes after she made her debut on this week's Dynamite. Cargill came out to confront Cody Rhodes and to tease a possible AEW appearance by NWA, or not NWA, <laughs> NBA legend Shaquille O'Neal. Not used to talking about basketball on the wrestling show. <laughs> She also had a confrontation, <laughs> right? Also had a confrontation with Cody's wife, Brandy Rhodes. That Jade was held great. Inter- Brandy called her a heifer. Brandy, you're heavier than she is. <laughs> Brandy was so southern there. I think this is the perfect kind of angle, though, because it's the only time Brandy Rhodes is ever going to be fired up to be seen as an actual wrestler. Right. Yeah, I. I. Uh, 
Well, pasty. Jade held an internet press conference today in which she stated, I joined AEW because I have a voice here. I'm ready to shake up the women's division, and I'm going to flip this promotion on its head. Cargill has previously trained under QT Marshall at his Nightmare Factory, which um, is also where Shaquille O'Neal has been training recently, pasty. Yeah. And she also trained at the face-to-face wrestling school owned by Richard Morger and Heath Slater. If you're gonna so, bring in Shaquille O'Neal, he's gotta he's gotta like his gimmick has gotta be face turn heel turn like Big Show, you know what I mean? <laughs> but he does it like multiple times in a night every time you see him. I just think it'd be awesome if he just came in as Kazam, like totally, <laughs> like complete gimmicked him up. <laughs> it's not even Shaquille O'Neal. Who is this? I am Kazam. What if he comes in and debuts and he's better than Pat McAfee? Well, you know. <laughs> so this is uh this is interesting because AEW right now, their women's division isn't the greatest. I think everybody will admit that. And Jade Cargill is super green and it looks like they're throwing her right into a humane spot against Brandy Rhodes, who's also a pretty poor wrestler, and I just don't see who this is benefiting. Now I believe she is dating uh, Shaquille O'Neal, at least is what I've heard, so maybe that's where this comes in. I don't know. I know she has kids with a baseball player. She's so so tiny to be dating Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. That would be difficult. I mean, to be fair, anybody dating Shaquille O'Neal looks tiny. (laughs) So I I don't know what to think of this. I, I think that there's so many talented women on their roster that aren't getting to do good stuff. And then they keep pushing some of these women. Uh, I, I mean, we'll see what With happens. The way her promo went, I actually kind of anticipate maybe Shaq comes in and, and does like a, a match spot thing, but I don't think he's coming in to wrestle. I think he's coming in to challenge Cody. And I think potentially Shaq, is an EVP at AEW for a period of a year or so. I'd be different. That'd be interesting. Tony Khan said big shit's about to happen. That's really going to change everything. <laughs> and so now I'm like, what the fuck is going to change everything? They said, Tony Shaq, is Shaq going to own the company? <laughs> Tony Khan is this generation's Dixie Carter when it comes to how many times in this short lived uh, AEW, have we heard him talk about something that's going to change the wrestling world? We'll see. And I'm, I'm he did it again, and it was chances. it was Pack with what was going to change the wrestling world. I like him, but um, Tony just needs to quit making those announcements. Just shut I do up. Love, I do love that Eddie Kingston's doing the um, abusive father role in, in this storyline, where like he's the head of the family and he lost his match and he's beating himself up about it. But instead of beating himself up, he pits his kids against each other. Oh, and I love it. It's it's so interesting and refreshing for wrestling to like touch on real strings like that. And it's I don't know. It's yeah. beautiful and it's art and it's it's so different than what I'm used to. When Kingston comes out and he's like, Oh, my best friend and his brother, and then at the end when Pentagon won and he's like Penta, Penta, my best friend, you won, you won. Yeah, get and then this guy out of here. 
Right, he kicks Ray out underneath the fucking ropes, and he's like, "Hey, good job," and gave him a little kick. And it's like, ah, I just, I, I hooted for that one. That just, he's Kingston is such a great actor on top of his his in ring skills. It's awesome. Yeah, too good. And the fucking the bunkhouse match on Dynamite was really good. It's got me more amped for Butcher and the Blade than I've ever been before. Um, yeah, finally, the Blade, the uh, former Pepper Parks, is really coming out now and showing some of that old Pepper Parks that, that was such a huge name on the indies. That's coming out now, and I love it. I think it's really good. Um, yeah, this I think week's it's crazy that own. he's relatively young. That's the thing that blows my mind. How Why did you get such unfortunate genes? Because he looks like he's like six. He looks like he's as old as fucking um. Jake the Snake Roberts. There you go. He does. <laughs> he looks about as old as Jake the Snake Roberts. The blade. Yeah. No, the butcher. Sorry. Okay, okay, now we're okay. You're really throwing me off there. I'm like, no, Pepper yeah. Parks is a young looking dude. I didn't know Pepper Parks, don't, <coughs> don't mind me. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the butcher. Oh, how old's the butcher? I don't even know. I'm not 100% sure. I just know in, um, in AEW Unrestricted, they did their episode, and he was talking about how. Beforehand, he was in a band and he was getting ready to hang it up in wrestling because he'd been at it for a little while, but it wasn't going anywhere and shit. But from the sounds of it, he's he's in his 30s, which is weird. Yeah. Just got some bad hair genes. Uh, Nick Jackson knows about that, though. Yeah, he does. I, I feel so bad for him. You get your own company and all your hair just starts falling out. <laughs> You're the best tag team in the world. You're turning into the fabulous Freebirds right now. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's gonna be great because I, I I akin it to um, like whenever a president takes office and they show you like their picture when they took office and then their picture when they leave office and it looks or like six they age later like... for that matter. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> looks like they age like a decade or so, and it's like yeah, I want I like to see a picture of these guys and four years or two years down the line and see how much they've aged just by running this company. (laughs) Uh, Good times though. Good, good stuff in wrestling and good stuff is still to come, but you're going to have to wait for a later episode for that because we're fucking fresh out of news. We're done. Yes. Can't handle it. So that being said, go back into your lives. Stay safe. And we'll see you next week. Snap out of it. Pasty. What? Love. Love. Oh, yeah. Love. Spread it like cancer. Spread it like cancer. (laughs) That's right. Stay tuned for those t-shirts, too, folks. (laughs) Damn right. (laughs) Snap out of it.